And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. I'm right here. Gotta shoot straight. I'm right here. Gotta shoot straight. And welcome to Shooting Straight. I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Randolph Lofgren. All right, kids, we are away from California on our Christmas vacation. We want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Um, yeah, this is probably sounding a little weird because I had a, a, just a, I was in the shower a moment ago and I was like, I know how to record because I didn't bring none of my gear with me. Um, so what we're going to do is. We are going to do a best of. Actually, instead of doing best of shooting straight, we're going to do the best of Randy series. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do is we're going to find out. Uh, well, not find out, but we'll listen together. His journey in almost the last five months of sobriety. So as that in mind, we do get together each and every week and we find out what Randy is doing and how his sobriety is going. So, sir, here is the all-important question. How many days are you sober? 92 days. 92 days. Actually, 93. 93, I forgot. 92. Because today is Christmas, and you have seven days to the 100. Is it seven days? You were down to seven days to 100. Wow. So, we're almost there. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. Coming up on a hundred days, I don't think I've ever been sober a hundred days. It's easy now, but it's still like wanting something. But it's not wanting alcohol. I just want something, right? You know, not something to to numb me or anything. But I need something for meaning now that I like alcohol was my meaning. You know, what I mean? it was all that I was into. You know? Yes. All right, kids. So I hope you guys are having a merry Christmas. So go ahead, sit back, relax, put your feet up, and push play on this this episode of Shooting Straight's Best of Randy series. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Your journey. This is where we start the journey. I don't want to start out when I was five years old or nothing, but... Go ahead. That's where it all starts with me. I realized life wasn't fair, and... I couldn't do nothing about it when I was young, but it never bothered me very much. And as I started getting older and more educated and gaining more knowledge, I learned that I could do something about it. But every time I tried to do something about it, I didn't know what to do about it. So, of course, if you don't know what to do, then you can't do it. And then uh, there's death in my family, and that's a little traumatic, stuff like that. But I had a good childhood, never really bothered by much. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the death? Because I know that's that's like that's the key to to you and understanding you. Yeah, I do. I I can't remember all of it as much, but uh, most of uh, my older family is dead and passed away. I, y'all should know from this right from the beginning that uh, I dread death. I don't like it at all. It, it it just kills me inside. I feel like I lose a part of myself every time something dies. And uh, it don't necessarily have to be a human or even family. It could be a friend or even like just recently, my dog passed away, Dreamer. I, I loved her a whole bunch. She was a good friend. She kept me going and she kept me protected. Excuse me. It's uh, a little bit emotional. This yeah. is this is this is what we're talking about. It, this just recently happened to me. Uh, what about a week and a half ago? Yeah. You know. I'm dealing with it, and my brother thought by us doing this podcast and stuff and getting it out uh, that this would help me out, and uh, I believe it will because I can talk about it and keep her memory alive. Absolutely. Now, I want you to listen to this, kids. This is this is being very serious. I'm not. There's no funny in what I'm about to say. Okay. Randy and I recently got together, and I say recently because it's only it's been less. Well, no, it's actually it's been slightly over a year. In that time, okay, the first day, and and I'm I'm being very open, mm-hmm. okay. You were spun, yeah, out of my mind, and you had an addiction, 
very bad. I still have an addiction. I'll have it the rest of my life, and I deal with it every day not to do it. I've been a year clean now, uh, come this May. That's that's what I was going with. Yeah. Is that the first demon to to overcome was your addiction to methamphetamine. Yes. How many years were you on methamphetamines? 23 years. So you come and we work as a unit. We've always been able to work as a unit. Right. And... When you first got here, what was your thoughts? I mean, again, we're, we're being very open. We're being very honest with not only each other, but to the listeners, too. That I wasn't going to be accepted and that you guys all hated me. I don't know where I got that idea. At. And uh, don't get me wrong. It's been a struggle with us all. But I think we've grown stronger and tighter. I know me and my brother have. He means a lot to me. He's not just my brother. He's my best friend, you know. I, 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 and I've said this before, many times before, I see the potential in you. I know. And I will not give up because of the potential that I see in you. I know. And I keep putting shit on your plate more and more, you know, and let me tell you something, kids. I don't ask, and it's not because I'm trying to be rude or hmm. I'm being... Uh, overbearing or oh, yeah thank you thank you that was the word i was trying to think of you know it was it's just to keep him going to keep pushing him forward forward and forward he's given me things to have more responsibility in my life and in turn when i had the responsibility i had to overcome other things in order to take on new things and that's change that's the willing to do something even though you don't want to for the betterment of yourself to the point where we're just going to kind of zigzag to because we were talking about your meth problem to the point of where we're at now. Just kind of a, a side-by-side glance of who you are. Okay, so he came in a, a few days before my 40th birthday last year. And he was stoned. He was high as a kite. And I knew it. And it's okay. And we stayed up that night and we talked for a very long time. But where he is now, kids, is the point where, if again, if, if you're listening to the Jason Modcast Network, you should know who I am. You should know my, my past. And you should know that I have three kids. Huh. And to the point where, when I, okay, there was this whole episode about me having a heart problem. I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. That's not what this is about. This is about you. Right. But what I'm going to say is I was in the hospital, okay, with my heart. It was you that took the responsibility Yeah. to take care of my three kids. Yep. Okay? That is where he's going to give me goosebumps. Yeah, me too. That is where he's gone in a year's time. He, he went from being high as a kite to being a responsible adult. Well, I appreciate that. And taking care of the three most valuable, precious things in my life. Yeah. So that's that's kind of just a quick side-by-side. Side. I know. I, I ponder it quite a bit. Uh, you should know when I, when I go to bed at night, I, I go over my day and, and kind of a little bit of what I've done, what's happening, and, and I... I think about it myself. I'm really proud of myself for all that I'm doing. I'm not trying to be conceited. I'm just convinced, you know. This is your platform. Be conceited. Yeah. But uh, if you saw me a year ago, you probably wouldn't like me very much. I mean, my family does, but nobody really would want to be around me. But it's just easier when you're alone to just not care about nothing. Right. And now I have to care about stuff. And it's not because I have to. I want to. And that's basis when we were talking. I said I want to put it out there about the things that I care about, you know. And and that's that's why we're we're jumping into the the heart of what's going on, right? Because not only are we going to discuss, you know, your your drug addiction and your current, and it is a current, yeah, because we talked about it. To over okay, 
Randy is the type of person he 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 fills. He's very emotional. He fills more than what the typical person fills. Very much so. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like a curse sometimes. I, I don't want to say it like that, but it's like I wish I didn't as much as I did feel as much as I do. But it's a part of me, and I just accept it. And I'm learning how to use it and deal with the things that I feel and not allow my emotions to rule me, but they're still going to define me. Now, bring in what you, that, that thing that you talked about with the ship. Okay, yeah. It's like this. I, I just recently realized that a, a ship don't just sink in water when it's floating. It only sinks when it gets water inside of it. And just like that ship, that is us, me particularly especially right now and i can't allow all the things that are happening around me to fill my ship up because you know what kids i'm gonna sink and what is going to sink him right now is that he he tries to numb his emotions yeah i know this is something that he battles and struggles with to this very moment yeah and he likes to go he likes to drink wine he likes to drink beer, and it's it's not to be intoxicated. It's to numb what he feels. So I'm going to ask the listeners. I've actually never asked the listener to ever do anything. Uh. But I'm asking the listener, if you hear this, and if you feel compelled, Go to his Facebook, and, and when we, because when this comes out, you'll be able to scroll down, you'll see Randy's picture, and you, it'll say, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, you just click on it, and it'll take you to his personal social media page. And, and Go ahead. Sorry, and that's one thing that I love, feedback. That's why me and my brother talk, because I need the feedback for, not just for what I'm feeling, but for what I believe, you know what I mean? I come to him to make sure what I'm feeling is okay to be feeling. Not like I can't feel what I want to feel, but I just want to make sure that, that I'm on still on the stream path because he seems to be the one that's looking out for me and taking care of me. Well, again, I, I just, I want good for you. I know. I want good for myself, you know? What do we want to cover first? Where do you want to start? Well, I'd like to go back a little bit. Like you started and say uh, about my addictions, I explained the last time, won't get too far into it, but I was 23 years deep in methamphetamines, mm-hmm. and uh, people should know that. But the, the fact of it is, not just that I was 23 years deep in methamphetamines, I had a whole bunch of circumstances and things that happened during those 23 years, and I'd like to talk about that. You know, just just one thing right now, just touch on, because if I was here, I could talk on that one thing for the whole show. Right. And if you want to, we can totally do that. No, I got other things I want to rant about. <laughs> okay, so we're set the stage. Where do you want to go? What year? Um, Roughly. I was 17. It was probably 1995, I believe, 94. Uh, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And let me tell you, that was traumatizing. All I could think of was, I'm going to die. Let's, let's go a little bit further than, into that. What okay? What caused you to find out? <laughs> the funniest thing in the world. I'm a danger adrenaline junkie when I was younger, especially around there. A little bit less now, but you give me a challenge, I'll still go with it. But I was jumping off of a bridge near where I live. There's water in a lake. Uh, may I say the place? Yeah, of course. Uh, place is Lake Isabella, California. And the lake is Lake Isabella, <laughs> of course. And uh, the bridge is near French Gulch Marina. Everybody jumps off it. Although, sorry, I'm probably going to get in trouble. It's against the law to jump off of. But I, I jumped off of it. When I hit the water, I didn't have my legs completely together. And, and I slapped my testicle. And, and then it swelled. And then it kept swelling and it kept swelling. So I went to the doctor. I was two months with swollen testicle right afraid to tell my mom because i was embarrassed she never seen me since i was a baby naked right, right. and i showed her she goes oh my god how long have you had that and i was like two years or not two years sorry two months now and she's like oh my god we gotta go to the doctor something's wrong with you and then i went to the doctors and 
my longtime doctor told me uh, I had testicular cancer. As weird as this is about to say, that was actually a blessing in disguise. Yes, it was. Because you you would have not said anything. Yep. Well, actually, let me back up a little bit. There was no there was no swelling or anything before. No. Jumping off. So you didn't even know. No. So you it, it could have been progressively a lot worse. Oh yeah, you know it could have been, and it, and it did end up getting worse, you know, later on through the whole thing. But uh, that point in time, I was young enough that I could get through it, even though it was real hard. Now let's just take a look at who you were at that time. You were a football player. Yes. And a wrestler. Wrestler. And what else? Track and field. Track and field. I knew there was three. I knew there was. And track and field was my thing. Before I got cancer, I was actually going to go to the Junior Olympics. I'm still undefeated in my county, Kern County, for shot put and discus. Nobody's ever beat my records. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what, 25 years later? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you find out that you have cancer. Right. Go ahead. And and then, of course, they, they say I have instantly go into a, uh, operation. And so when they go in, most of the time they take both of your testicles. But I caught it in a soon enough time that they removed the one testicle. But in the process of removing it, it did spread and metastasize to, metastasize. Metastasize to the rest of my body. And I, I never actually had what they would call a form of cancer that kills but I still produce tumors and it spread to my lymph nodes and to my kidney and everywhere. And from 17 to 23, I fought cancer. I went through 12 surgeries to remove tumors and stuff like that. And then finally I got released from the doctors and was told I could go live my life and do it. Cause most people, they turn 18, they get to go out their adult life, start it, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't so fortunate, so it wasn't until I was 23. Right. But the thing of it is, kids, that during this time, I was still doing my drugs all the way through. Because I didn't think I was going to make it. And I still, you know, was doing the things that I thought I needed to do, you know. Right. Well, yeah, it was a kid mentality, you know. Right. It's – you – I don't know how to explain it. It's just you think differently, even at 17, 18 years old. Right. You're just – you're wired differently, you know, and and I, I, I totally get that. So you were still – now, were you partying with other people or were you just doing – No, I was partying with every, other people and stuff like that. Uh, I remember my 18th birthday actually getting out of a surgery and going to a kager for my birthday – and I was still doing chemotherapy. I had just started. Matter of fact, 10 days, October 5th uh-huh. is when I was diagnosed. That's 10 days before my 18th birthday. And I wasn't sure that I was even going to make it to that 18th birthday. So when I did, I decided to celebrate it no matter which way in between that I was going to. You know, So we had a kager and... We drank. Of course, I got sick, and my 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 white blood cells went down, and I had to go into the hospital and everything. But I did it anyways. So. Right. Well, and again, you were a kid; you didn't know better. Right. Well, I mean, there's always that sense of reason, but you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's my 18th birthday. I'm a quote unquote, you know, I'm a an adult. Yeah. You know, time to celebrate. Yeah. Okay, so you're 18. Uh, you you have your party. You get sick. How long were you in the hospital after your birthday? Uh, a whole month. Okay. Yeah, because I had uh, just begun my chemotherapy and stuff, and I, they call it the red devil. It's one of the worst ke- uh, chemotherapies you could take. And because I have thin blood cells, you would know more about that. They couldn't uh, put a catheter in or, or not a catheter in to put it directly in, so they had to do it all through my veins that were in my arm. and. They collapsed most of my veins when they did it all, you know. Yeah, there's a thing called a porticath, and what it is is it's a direct link. It runs it in through the oh goodness, a main one, ventricle or something like that. Right? Well, it, it goes into I want to say the 
vena cava, the superior vena cava goes in somewhere in like right in there and it goes right into the heart. Right. So, and it's pumped, you know, a lot quicker, a lot more efficient. And like you said, it doesn't collapse your veins, but because if your hemoglobin is too high or too low, depending on how thick, well, if, if depending on how much hemoglobin you have in your, your blood makes it, you know, thick or thin. So like you're saying, because it was too thin, that's too dangerous to put it in near the heart because you would bleed to death. Right. So that makes sense. That makes total sense. Right. So, okay, you, you have the, what what do you call it, red what? Red devil. Red devil, which is something that I, I would not want to call a chemo treatment. Oh, you know? not at all. Um, yeah, red devil is something that I would certainly not want to call. Yeah, it was eight cycles, two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off. Ugh. Oh, yeah, I lost my hair. I was a big football player, 360 pounds, squatted 1,000 pounds, uh, bench press 420. And uh, after that, it was just 223-pound skin and bone Randy. Uh-huh. Now, since we're talking about that, there's something I, I've – and I never thought about – I I'd wanted to ask you, but I never thought about it until this very moment. And I'd always just pass it off. Is that what opened the door for you and your weed? Yes, it is. Actually, uh, uh, I was dying. I was going to die. I couldn't build white blood pressure, white blood cells. And uh, my cousin brung over a High Times magazine. And it was the first article ever published about medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to read it. I read it. Basically, it was about a mom that's kid was dying and she couldn't do nothing, but she was also depressed at the time. Right. And so by doing depression and her being depressed, someone said, you should try smoking marijuana. And so she started smoking marijuana. Funny thing is, is she was smoking it around her son and her son was getting secondary high. And from getting secondary high, next thing you know, he started like accepting the treatments better and wanted to go outside and play and wanted to eat. So after I got done reading it, I was like, well, I'll try anything. Well, right yeah. then and that, my cousin pulled a big sack out of a <laughs> chocolate tie and said, well, here, and a brand new pipe and said, please try it. You know what I mean? I don't want you to die. And I uh, I tried it and I started smoking it. And I know the Lord put that in my path, but because of marijuana, it made me hungry. I wasn't depressed as much. And I, I could do things that normally I couldn't do. As long as I smoked before and afterwards, it made it more accessible and easier to take. Right. You know? Which makes total sense. Because I remember being a kid, I remember seeing a picture of you. You know, uh, it was about that time. It was about 17, between 17 and 18, you know, around when you started having treatments. Because I remember you were bald and you were super thin. And ever since, from as far as I can remember, even when we were little kids... You've always been stocky. You've had a natural build to you. Yeah. And I remember seeing you, and you were thin. And yeah. I was like, fuck, what's wrong? <laughs> and I was told that you weren't eating. So that's, yeah. Right. And which is, from what I understand, is a natural progression from cancer and chemo. Yes, it is. It makes you not as hungry. Or if it does, it makes you more hungry, but then you get sick from eating more food. So by eating or by smoking marijuana, eating it, it subsides that 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 reaction in your body. That one from the cancer fighting, the white cells trying to attack it, and the chemotherapy helping it out and, and trying to kill it. But like through that all, still you'll get sick, you know what I mean? But it just made it easier, you know. So you, you're fighting for your life. Um, you've been introduced to mar- medical marijuana, essentially is what it is. Yeah, it wasn't medical then. They didn't have a, a thing where, like, you had a card and stuff like that. Right, but I, but I mean it was for medicinal yeah, purposes. Yeah, for medicinal purposes, yes. But you still did speed, methamphetamine. Yes, I now, still did it. Now, what was the mindset there? Was it just because... Were you addicted, or were just you made it feel better, or were you at the point? I, of... I was addicted, uh-huh. and I really didn't care if I died or lived. And I figured I was going to die from this, but I was still doing it. So I figured if I'm going to survive, then I'm going to survive either way. And I did. And that's not something you should go out there and do. I'm not suggesting it or anything like that. But absolutely. 
Um, so what, what effects did it have on you, uh, emotionally? Oh, uh, I found out later on when I was older that when you're young at that age, you may not be able to honestly process and accept what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder as a child turning into an adult. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until I was older that I could go back and see it that I actually was traumatized by it. Which, from an outsider looking in, I, I totally see it. You know, something like that would traumatize the hell out of a child. Yeah. And I didn't know what traumatized me. You know? You're just trying to roll with the punches. Just go with it, you know what I mean? Make it through it all. So yeah. then, at what? how old were you when you said that it was gone? Uh, 23. He's doing some math real fast. Eight years later, I believe it is. All right. I know there's, there's, this is the reason why I bring it up because I know the specialty behind it, but go ahead and tell the story. Of what? Of you being quote unquote cured of cancer. Oh yeah. First of all, I learned to do different things in my life towards the end of, of that 23 when I turned 23 and it was like almost as if I was doing medical tests on myself right. I realized certain things I ate certain things I did certain things I drank uh, I stopped gorging myself as much and I learned more about myself and my body and I started becoming a more positive person back then and I, I, I used mind power and told myself I was going to make it through it and by doing that like they pulled so many tumors out of me. I, I had a 32 pound tumor inside me. Wow. And it was wrapped around my aorta and they, th it was spider webbed out through all and lymph nodes. And so I had a lymph node dissection, but the final time they went in for a surgery, my own body produced a type of antibody and it used my white cells and my scar tissue, which scar tissue is a way of like healing fixing the body when it's missing something, right? Am I correct? Yeah, you're in the right way. And so last time I was growing a tumor in one of the same places where it was connected to my kidney, and my scar tissue started growing faster too around the tumor. So the last time they went in, they didn't have to touch just the tumor because it's a proven fact that tumors grow and spread through the body with oxygen. So they went in and just removed the whole scar tissue with the tumor inside of it. And I never had cancer again. And then it was like two or three years later that, that a doctor, an oncologist had called me up. And I thought, because I always get tests, you know, every month to see if my 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 markers are up, right. to see if my cancer markers are up. And I hadn't seen them in a long time. And I was scared while all of a sudden they wanted to call me and come in. And then I went to a place where I had done my chemotherapy and it was a scary place, and all I could think is, I got cancer again. I'm going to die. I can't do it this time. And when I went in, they go, uh, well, why are you here? And I'm like, you're asking me why I'm here? Come on now. That's not cool to be doing this. And I'm like shivering. I don't like the doctors because of all this stuff. Let me tell you. Too. Oh, I, I yeah. And uh, she goes, well, you know, you're just fine. Oh, well, they told me I needed a checkup or something. Well, uh, I want you to know that you're one of, back then, you're one of 10,000 people that are now on the cured list. And I was like, what? Yeah, you're on the cured list. It'll never come back to you ever again. Your body doesn't show it, doesn't produce it. It isn't even in your body no more. Which is absolutely amazing. Yes, it really is. And that they wanted, continue. Oh, uh, and that they wanted me to go to UCLA and do tests on my blood and stuff like that. Because they said that there might be an answer or a cure to it. But I was so happy from just being cured and stuff like that. And you might say a little selfish back then that I just wanted to start living my life. I didn't want to go be a guinea pig for somebody, even though they were going to give me a hundred thousand dollars a year, a big old flat uh, condo apartment with video games, anything I wanted, buy me whatever I wanted. Right. I still didn't do it. I wanted to just live my life. Well, it, for the first time since uh, of your adult life, it was your life. Exactly. I, you had I wasn't tied down life. to anything or had to go to the doctors all the time, you know. So, sorry kids, I was just taking a drink of my tea. 
So you're you're essentially cured. Mm-hmm. You're still doing meth. Yep. Where where do you want to go next? <sighs> well, it was time to get a job. Okay. I, my parents figured that I've been through a lot, but it was time for me to, to get off on my own. So they pushed me kind of out of the nest for me to fly. And, well, I got a really good job. And uh, that's because my dad, my stepdad was working for a company and he brung me in and I started working with him. And then uh, I did so good. I went from $11 an hour to $17 an hour in just a couple of weeks because I helped to invent some of the stuff that it took to make this company, you know, no patents. I wish I would have thought about it, you know what I mean? Right. But then the next thing you know, I got my own truck, my own credit card, and my own crew, but I didn't get to pick my own crew, and these guys didn't know jack shit about nothing. They worked for JCPenney's and, and like, Montgomery Rogers Jack in the Box. I can't remember what it was. And right. I tried teaching them how to use tools and stuff, and I just felt real bad, and I called my dad at lunch that day, and I was like, Dad, I don't want to work with these guys, you know what I mean? And he was like, well, just do it. You know, get through it. That's who the guy, the boss hired. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I feel like something's going to happen or they're going to cause danger to me. And I, I, I have this thing I always say to my brother. Maybe I shouldn't open my mouth because I manifest what happens. But I basically that day worked all by myself, did the work that needed to be done for that day and get this tank that we were working on uh, clean and fixed and ready to be retrofitted. And as I'm coming out of the tank, the guy is holding on to it, and there's another guy watching. Usually you have a bucket that you pull your tools up for that day. They kept on aggravating me. Oh, come on, hurry up. He said we can get off early. We got finished early, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, just give me a minute. And I grabbed all my tools, and I had them on my belt and in my hands, and I'm climbing up the ladder with one hand. And the next thing I know is I, I can't get through the hole. So I take a couple of my tools off so that I can fit through the hole. And as I'm doing that, the – Guy let go of the ladder, and I instantly in my head flashed to no. And right when I said no, don't I was gonna say no, don't do that. The ladder slipped, so I tried to climb up it as fast as I could. It was too late, it slipped. I fell backwards, and next thing I know, I hit the ladder because it was halfway on one side of the tank and another, and then I hit the bottom. And like that old saying is, when you die, the the light comes before you and it goes real small and then flashes your eyes. Mm-hmm. That exact same thing happened. Plus the wily coyote as I'm coming down, my whole life flashed. And and I thought I was dead. And then the next thing I know, I heard this. And it, it ended up turning to. And I come to it and I couldn't even talk, but I could hear people hollering at me and they were panicking. And I'm sitting there and I didn't know at the time, but my back was broken. And I, I called him, and I'm like, get the emergency ladder, it's over there. And I had already showed them where all the emergency stuff is, but they were all panicking. So I took a bent ladder that looked like a, a scoliosis back, a spine, and I climbed it up and to the top. And uh, basically had a broken back, was in severe pain, and took care of my own self and got myself out. Wow. And, and how old were you? I was 25. Damn. Yeah. That, yeah. That. Still doing meth. Still doing meth. <laughs> okay, so how long did it take for you to heal from your back? Well, back then, everybody didn't just have medical. You know, I, I was already old enough to where I wasn't on my mom's Medi-Cal or her insurance or anything like that. Right at 25. So all by myself, I went from 25 and it took until 30 to where I could actually walk and be all right. But I've always been in pain ever since. But now I, I've learned over time to block it out with my mind, which is bad sometimes because I work and hurt myself when I'm doing stuff. So I try not to overdo it, you know. Right. But uh, basically about five years all by myself. I went online and learned different exercises for when you break your back. It's, it's before Google and stuff, I believe. If not, I'm totally mistaken, you know. Um, go ahead. You. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you guys mostly have heard my story and stuff, but I, I wanted to go a little bit in the past and tell you about a couple of uh, pinnacle moments in my life that made me me. Uh, we're going to get into other stuff sooner or later, you know, but 
Oh, there's a you know. Uh, but anyways. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you you got to follow through. Go ahead. Mind you, we have an hour to kill. Right. So in, in the past, uh, most people that have been close to me have all passed away. And there's a, a major point where the turning point in my life, and that was when my Aunt Karen passed away. Um, I uh, don't know exactly how old I was. I can't remember. what Was it about 11 years old or something like that? I want to Yeah, I believe so. Something, it was pretty traumatic. I, I, I only thing I remember about it that brings to mind is how – awesome she was she took me everywhere did everything with me uh i was hers basically but my dad is one that you know raised me and stuff like that but uh the part of it is that she passed away on my birthday and ever since then on my birthday and of course my birthday's coming up in october october 15th for anybody out there you need want to know uh and Ever since then, it's been hard for my birthday to be happy because most people are happy on their birthday, and I have to think about my aunt Karen passing away. Right. And and, and the funny part of it is, well, not funny, but I always see things happening, or yet I manifest them in some way. My brother can tell you. And my dad had never missed a birthday before, and I'm waiting and waiting for him. And, and I told my mom, something's wrong, something's wrong. My dad's not here. He's never missed a birthday. And uh, a phone call come up, and right right before the phone call came up, I saw my Aunt Karen passing away, and it was a weird feeling. And as soon as the phone call and my mom answered and picked up the phone, I knew right then, and I, I broke down. I, I lost it. And as an 11, maybe 12 years old, you don't know how to handle stress or traumatic situations like that. So I, I just ran off, and my mom went looking for me everywhere, and I was in the back field behind our house just crying my way, and she's all, well, what's the matter? You know, why, why'd you take off? I, I said, well, I know, I know. She's like, what do you know? She's, I said, my Aunt Karen died. My mom lost it right then and there. She's like, how do you know that? I said, that's the only thing that would stop my dad from coming. And so I just wanted you guys to know a little bit about that because that's an important moment, too in my life and then uh hold on hold on uh, you went through that way too fast i did yeah you did we were we're gonna have to dissect it a little bit okay sounds good you help me out with it of course that's what i'm here for um so october 15th is your birthday yes and you can send all gifts to Oh, give them our actual address? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm, like, well, I'm teasing. I, I, I was like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, I, I can feel the seriousness coming on, so I had to break it a little bit. Yeah. Just, just make you smile. Um, let's see. So it was your birthday, October 15th, and I can't remember the age. I know we were in junior high. And if you, you go ahead and get emotional, go ahead. It's all right. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I believe it was junior high. I I remember and I remember this specifically because of the number. She was 38. Yeah. And I know I there's for some reason it's it's the number. I know how old she was when she was you know she was 38. And. Um, I'm trying to remember. She wasn't well. She was ill. And uh, she tried to kill herself a lot of different times. But she always did good by me and treated me well. And uh, she, I loved her so much. She was, from my recollection, she was always, always sweet. Yeah. She loved us kids. And your mom used to work for her. Helped her own. That's when I met you. And right. We became the best of friends. Well, not at first. We didn't at first. I don't remember. What you I, didn't like me at first. I didn't. No. Oh. I don't remember the the exact details, but it, it I think it was like the second or third time we we started playing together. But the initial meetup was like 
he didn't care for me. Well, you got a good memory. <laughs> I, I don't know why I do. I just, I remember it. Um, so let's see. I'm trying to think of how to approach this with, you know, just, just do it. Um, I think part of it is, is that we need to know what happened. I don't know. You don't know. I've never been told I was thinking about it earlier. I, mm. I don't actually know what happened, really. Okay. Do you, do you know? No. Actually, no. That's why I was I was. I don't know. And that's out. why it's always been hard for me. Because I don't know and nobody will tell me. Yeah. Um, I ask about it and they say, don't worry. Your aunt just loved you. That's all you need to know. Yeah. It was never. They never won't tell me. me. And I really wish I knew I'm old enough now to take it. And I would love to know. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Just take a deep breath. We got serious fast. Yeah, I know. That's why I tried to go through it real fast. I didn't. I was trying to get you not to talk about it, but I knew you were going to. And um, so that was that was the beginning of what? What do you think triggered in you that caused it? I mean, other than the fact, obviously, it was on your birthday. But what what was it? What inside you was triggered? Well, it's like this: when anything or or everything was going bad or, or anything, she stopped her problems and cared about what I had to say and what I did. And she was always there to take me in, take me places. And, right. and my cousins were there too. And it was just always a happy, good time. Then when she passed away, it slowly changed a little bit. Then my uncle Don took into, took into her place and made it as fun as it could be for me. But it never was the same. And then, there's my cousins and stuff like that, and I love them deeply. But I just don't feel like I have them like I used to. All right, let's let's just kind of pick it up a little bit, pick up a uh, pick up the situation. Um, your cousins. Yeah. Well, I say your cousins. It's our cousins. Uh, our cousins, but yeah, your cousins. Um, talk about them a little bit because I know that'll make you smile. So go ahead. Think about. Think about where you were, you know, when you were a kid, you know. Well, there's there's Julie Bug. She always cared about me and made sure that I was doing okay and that, that the big brothers, Derek and, and Rodney, weren't getting me in trouble. <laughs> then there's the serious Lori where she always tried to instill good things in me and, and make sure that I cared about myself and that I was important too. Now with Lori, I will go online and uh, on record rather and say, I swear, I honestly thought she was going to be like a lawyer or a judge or something. I don't know why, right, right. but she did. That's just the way she she struck me was, you know, she was very, very straight and narrow. Yeah, you know, by the book. And I always, I always saw her in in law enforcement, not as a cop or anything, but you know, right, like as a, right. Go ahead. Then there's my my hot rod Rodney, one that that always made sure that I laughed and and that I smiled and that I had something fun to do and I I he moved up north to Humboldt after Aunt Karen died it was hard on him too, so he left and then uh later on in life he came back around and uh he really cared for me and took care of me. And I made sure that I was doing right. And he didn't want me to follow in the family foot, footsteps of drinking alcohol and drugs and doing bad. And then there's straight there where he taught me about the streets and what there was that you need to know. And that's when I learned seriousness that the world wasn't perfect, but we make the best of it. I I owe a lot to Derek as far as who I am today because I think she, I think he's the one who put that 
that bug in my mind as a little boy, you know, about owning your own business. Yeah. He's the one who introduced me to the libertarian movement. He's also the one who introduced me to being, you know, the idea, the concept of being a humanist. So he, he play, I, I have utmost respect for him. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's too bad. We don't, we're, we're not in, in contact anymore, but you know, we are all spread out across, you know, the United, well, mainly in California still, but yeah, but we all have our own lives and our own situations and things that we do. He's got beautiful children, and so does my cousin Rodney and, and my cousin Julie. But Lori doesn't have none yet. She needs some kids. <laughs> she, but she's also uh, an executive over at Disney. Yeah, she worked her way up from just a gopher doing things around the office and helping people all the way up to an executive. That That's impressive, kids. That really is. Yeah. So, okay, give me a happy memory. Give me a happy memory of you and your cousins. And you're already smart, so it already hits your memory. Go ahead and tell it. Well, we, my aunt Karen liked to party a lot, and we'd have parties and, and stuff like that around her house. Her house was basically built to party. She had a party room down that she turned her garage into that she uh, had guests and people over all the time. And uh, my cousins would, when they weren't partying, would make me haunted houses. And I would uh, go to the haunted houses, and each one of them would scare me in their own way. And, and <laughs> it was just really fun. They always built me a different haunted house all the time. That's cool. What else? Keep going. I'm, I'm trying to uplift you. I'm trying to put you in a better mood. Yeah. Uh, there's always where we were fighting. They taught me how to fight. I, I'm I'm kind of a scrapper, you know. No, we don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I like to fight, not really to hurt people. I I just enjoy the fisticuffs. My grandpa and my uncle loved boxing, and I watched boxing from the time I was two or three years old, and I uh, had an enjoyable time, and so I picked it up, and then I ended up learning martial arts. And I uh, picked that up, so I'm well defending of myself. But I learned not to be the aggressor, more of the defender. Like I did anything about vacation out there. I was going to say, you need to tell the story. You need to, because the, the listeners don't know. Uh, I, I had left uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks. Would it be four weeks now? Yeah, yeah four it's weeks. been about four weeks. I went on vacation. I was with my cousin in Lompoc. Uh, we had a good time. In California. In California. Lone Park, California. It's up north. About two hours away. Kind of southeast, southwest. I don't know. And you were out there for, what, a good three weeks, right? Two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. Just two weeks. And you had left all your stuff out there. I don't, Not just all my stuff. I just my backpack. I got my other stuff, all my clothes and stuff. But everything else is is there my poem book my my pin with writing you know how people like you artists have special pins that you use right and and a certain book and it's got all the poems and it helps me to read the couple poems maybe before where i i last left off to see where my mind is and where i'm going or what what i want to do next or if it should go happy sad in between emotional dramatic you know, it, it just be, it depends on what I've read. and I, I don't have the rest to read. I even read, you know, from a year ago sometimes just to see how I was thinking and where I'm at now. Oh, absolutely. I, I get that. Because it tells a story. Uh, my friend once, I have another poem book that I, I got to get. It's in my storage for my brother. It would really help me with my book if I had it. It would probably be done to be a child and be honest. This one's huge. And, uh. I've had someone read it once, and they told me my life from reading my poems. Really? Yeah, basically told me my life story, and I was, like, so amazed by how intuitive they were about reading my poems and and who I am. And and it kind of goes like that. If you take the chance to read all my poems, you'll get a more intimate look at who I am because I put myself into them. Well, right now the listener is getting an intimate look at who you are because – 
you are a different person when you're medicated to when the last three episodes you hadn't been medicated. Right. And it, there is a, a very big difference between that person. Calming or assertive? What, what you're is it? hyper. You're very hyper. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why you see me like turning the knobs down <laughs> is when you're talking, like you can see my barometer right here. Yeah. When you start talking, it jumps to the red. <laughs> so I have to, uh, you know, adjust. Is that good or what? Yeah, yeah that... I mean, you're happy. That, that, that's what we, you know, that's what we all want. Yeah, and is... I haven't, I haven't drink a beer. That doesn't mean medicated by drinking a beer. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I haven't drank. I figured I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I didn't really feel like the need. I was happy this morning when I woke up. You've been struggling with that a lot this week. Well, yeah. this past week. And, and I know... Because I know I don't need it. I know I'm a strong enough person and I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And I just numb myself. But certain times in certain situations, it just it's just easier to just numb it. Because if not, I start thinking about it. I end up talking too much shit. Excuse my language. You know? <laughs> I, I got in trouble this week for talking shit to the stepmom. Uh, so, uh, so I try not to talk shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's not like I'm talking bad about someone. I just tell everything that I'm feeling right then and there. Right. The, the filter's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's something that I've noticed. This Actually, it's been more than the last week. It's been like the last two weeks I've noticed the progression. And I know you've been trying to hide it, but I've noticed. And, you know, it, it's one of those demons that you have to fight. I can I can root you on. I can cheer you on. I can do what I can do. But when it comes down to it, it's it's your party, bro. Yeah. You know, and that's all I can do is I can help. Yeah. But I can't. I can't pull the trigger on it. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for sure. Do you have a story for us this week? A story, huh? You want a story? All right, kids, gather around. It's Shooting Straight's story time. Oh. <laughs> it, it could be happy. It could be sad. It can be whatever you want. I, I'll tell the story of the last seven years. It, it's a good story. It should last us. Uh. It won't be it completely every single day, but I basically did real good. I got off drugs one time other and got into a program to get into my own house. What year was this? Uh, this is 2018, so 2011, 2010, yeah, 10 about that I got into it. Okay, right before Zoe was born. Yeah, and uh, I actually talked to you just before I got the place. And, and I had just gotten it when Dad passed away, so that's 2010 too, right? 2011. 11? Okay, okay. Then it's 11 because I, I, it just had happened, and then I got my house after that. Yeah, because he was waiting for yeah. Zoe to be born, and he was he was all kinds of excited. Do you finally get a granddaughter? Yeah. Know? And that was 2011. So that's how I remember. So all right. 2011. All right. And so I, I got me you a know, house, and it was the best thing in the world. I kept it clean all the time. I was so obsessed with it. I loved having it. It was my own place. But it seemed like everybody else was obsessed with me having my own place too. And they slowly worked in on me. And and so, like, every day was doing drugs and partying at Randy's house. Mm. And so I had this problem with people not taking care of stuff, not you know, putting stuff up, throughout not respecting your stuff. Yeah, and I, I got to a point where I got sour about it and just didn't care about the house altogether. So I, I basically, for seven years, just got high and it was a party haven and people come in and out. You know, mo- a lot of people had keys, so but it was more like a know, flop house. Well, yeah, but I was gonna say, um, <sighs> you, oh shit, I don't remember now. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. And so I did that. And oh, if you can't beat them, join them kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. And I got broken into a couple of times. I had told in stories before about how I uh, almost got killed twice in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also got robbed, like I said, multiple times and didn't know I got robbed because they didn't take things that I would notice. And stuff just slowly started just missing. 
till I'd had nothing. And then I, I started letting people stay with me. And I, I kept a nice attitude and let people stay that needed a place to live. And then I would leave them there by themselves. And I got all my tools stolen. This sucks. And I ha- so I have barely any tools now. Uh, then I started getting my personal space, which is my bedroom, attacked. And they started taking stuff out of my bedroom that was really important to me. Like what? Uh, My dad's necklace, the the eagle got stole from me really yeah uh my guitar and amp got stole from me and see i always kept that that room locked at least i wasn't going to get that invaded you know what i mean right and someone just knew how to pick a rock one day and got into my room or either that or just busted it down it didn't look like it was busted maybe they credit carded it for you that don't know that where you take a credit card and put it in the door and jimmy Jimmy it it. yeah you know or take a knife and get it in there and jimmy it somehow or another. And it, it got in there. And I started just going downhill and hating everybody. And so I was on the war path to, to get them all. So I went on a thing, a pilgrimage, pilgrimage, whatever you want to call it, where I uh, tried to get back everybody. So Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And it got me into trouble. And I before I came here, I got a gun put to my head. and, and uh, you're, you're going way too fast. Sorry, slowing down, guys. Sorry, slowing down. They're exciting moments for me, so that's why I get excited. Okay, what was what was the point where you're like, I'm going to get these people back? When I had nothing left. There was anything of importance to me. Just the house was all that was there, and it wasn't important no so more. So basically it was empty. Yeah, pretty much. It just was a skeleton of a house. You know, I didn't even have food most of the time because people would steal my food. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then at that point, you decide that you're going to pay back. Yeah, so I started messing with people's head and mentally fucking them. Get one fascist against another fascist people. Because I was friends with everybody and knew everybody. So I needed juice that someone would talk about somebody else. And then I'd go back and tell them and then get it going. And then I would uh, get these people mad. And it just ended up turning on me. Because everybody realized that it was me that was doing it all. And so I had to get out of town. It backfired on you. Oh, it backfired big time. People wanted to kill me and stuff like that. <laughs> See how, like, nonchalant he says that? Oh, yeah, people want to kill me, stuff like that. Because um, it is now. I'm past it. I, I'm happy that I'm not in that situation. I'm happy. I'm not happy exactly in my life. That's my own dilemma, you know? Right. Explain to us what the situation was that someone put a gun to you oh it was when somebody else was supposed to kill me and then i was being set up and this person other person was the one that was actually going to kill me was it contract kill i don't know but you were somebody was going to kill you yeah but they tried but then they they shit well you, you said that someone but then someone else tried to do it see it's first three times there's two times when they thought, because you barely could get me. I don't care who you are. I, I got eyes in the back of my head, and I, I know everything that's happening. Not to say that I want someone to try to get me, but there's two times when I didn't die from it. They had to get me. And so it all started because of some bull crap about people that were coming to my house that were younger than me and, and, and that I was doing improper things when I wasn't. I didn't let no minors or anything at my house. That wasn't happening, you know? Right. And then there was some things about this girl, and, and I don't want to put no names out there and stuff, but it's all falsified, and it all came out in the end, and I I was basically deliberated from it and know that I didn't do that stuff, and they realized it, you know. So that that basically, but still, some people still held a grudge and thought it needed to be done. So, in other words, some people didn't believe it, even though you were justified and, and you know, the... the uh the rumors were verified as false. There were right. people that just didn't believe it. Right. Gotcha. Wow. Okay, so that sets the stage. So where were you at? Last time at this crazy dude's house, and I don't know really what I was doing it. His nickname's 187. And that should tell you right there you don't want to be around someone that's willing to kill somebody or shoot somebody. Right. So... Probably going to get in trouble for even just putting it out there that he's 187. Well, you didn't say who it is. Yeah, I know, but the 187 by itself speaks, you know what I mean? Well, 
there's I, I'm I'm almost a hundred percent positive that I there's more than one person that goes by that you know name. Yeah, I'm sure too. And I'm probably even more certain that said person is not listening to a podcast. No, probably not. So I think you're okay. Uh, so you're there. You don't know why you were there. No, just to have friends. I didn't really have no friends. I mean, I know this is going to sound sad. I've made a couple of friends through my brother and his relations and things that he knows. Uh, but my only friend really is my brother. He he's my my best buddy. He is my best buddy. Uh, I don't go out. I I don't go hanging with nobody because I don't want to get back into an old habit. way of life. You know, habit. Yeah, habit, addiction, whatever you want to call it. And it, it, if it means me being without those type of things, then they weren't really my friend in the first place. Oh yeah, yeah. They're just there to either get my money or get my drugs or whatever. You know. Okay, so you're at said friend's house, and how? What did he just walk up to you and put a gun to your head, or? No, we were looking for a gun to kill somebody else. I guess I don't know really. I was messed up, to be honest with you. It's kind of blurry from there. The things that that I've blocked out, you know. I really don't know what I was doing there, to be honest with you. So then, the next thing you realize, he's holding a gun to your head. Yeah. And then you made the run for it, or no? It tried to. It didn't work. Oh, it, it jammed. It, yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, so it it jammed, and then you. you made I got run, out of there. You made a run for it. And they even tried to block me in. I don't know how I got out of this spot with my big old truck, but I did. That's probably why you had a big truck. <laughs> you made your way out. Yeah. So from that point, where did you go? Did you? Did you did I uh, basically went to my mom's and told her what was going on. I wouldn't go around my house or anywhere like that. And I uh, told her what was going on, what I'd been up to, and she was like, "Oh, you can't stay around here no more. You gotta go." And then I called my cousin Rodney to uh, see how he's doing to see if I could escape to up there. And then uh, he told me about what had happened with your wife, you know, Lacey, and I felt compelled by the lord to come here i mean i think it's worked out pretty good for me and pretty good for everybody else absolutely yeah it's it wow it's i was just putting the timeline together in my head yeah yeah it's it's been pretty good i mean you you got me out of a a weird slump myself yeah i was i was in the I don't know. I was like in a twilight zone, I guess, just trying to right. find myself. Anyway, so um, you, how long did you stay there at your mom's house before? A you, month. A month, and then you took off. Yeah, I had actually lost my place by then because of all this stuff, and that was March twenty first that I got kicked out of my house, and, and I stayed there till April something, and then by the time. The first came around and stuff. I figured I had money. I should get out of here. And then I got a hold of you. Right. Hmm. So what was what was the main thing of you losing your place? Was it just... This, all the bullshit that was going on in my landlord's finding out about it because it spread over to other people's apartments and I caused problems for other people. Not me directly, but people that were at my house. And it just became a place where they were jumping my fence, even though I'd lock it and put signs out there. Do not come over fence if the fence is locked. Or I'd have pieces of paper written with things on my door saying, do not want nobody around. And I tried to fix the problem, but it was too late. Do you feel that you are the, a different person from that person? Yeah, I do. So much so that, that, I can remember some of these details, but there's a lot more. I can't even remember names, really, of those people that bothered me and caused me so much problems. I've literally forgave them for one, forgave myself for two, and started to change. And I, I, I'm in a change right now that I don't know what's going to happen from it, but I know it's going to be better than what I was, and it already is better than what, what it, it was before, you know? Right. Well, simply the elimination of methamphetamine in your life. That's 
that's a big, you know, first step. Right. So I'm just trying to think of what would be because that's that's kind of climatic, climactic, you know, of just so damn i wish you would i wish you remember you know more detail because i I, for myself i'm curious yeah i am too you know i dream about some stuff sometimes that happen i overdosed a whole bunch of times all right let's let's tackle that tell me an overdose story oh a, a dude told me one time and you can explain how big it is if i eat this i can have this it's about the size of a silver dollar Round. Yeah. Round. So about an eight ball. Really? Yeah. So it was a dare. It was a dare, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted the other stuff for free, same amount. And it was all speed? Yeah. So what happened? You ate it and. I overdosed. I died. You can't leave it at that. Everybody's like, wow! All right, kids, that was kind of fun to reflect back on all those thoughts and memories. Before we go, uh, where can they get a hold of you, Rand? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Randolph Lofgren, on Twitter at Lofgren Randolph, and Instagram at Randolph Lofgren. And then my email is randyman2388 at gmail.com. You know, as we approach the new year, everybody has the new resolution, New Year's resolution, you know. But I, I think it's yours is is already you're, you're halfway through your New Year's resolution. Yeah, I know. It was like if I if I was gonna ask for a resolution, it would be that. So now I don't have to ask it. I, I just live it. That's right. Speaking of living it, hit them with some wisdom. Well, you know what? I'm gonna change it up a little bit. Okay. Make sure that the things that are important to you, you keep close, and you make sure that they're worth something to you, and just not. Throw them away and make sure that that the things that are that you love, that you let them know that you love them. Absolutely. That's a great one. And as always, even on this Christmas day, ducky woo-woo for life. (laughs) All right, gang. Merry Christmas. I hope you got everything that you wanted. And come back next week. And we're going to celebrate the brand new year. Of 2019. Yes, the new year is going to be great. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Randolph Lofgren. We'll see you next week. Next week. Bye. I'm right here. Got to shoot straight. I'm right here. Got to shoot straight.